Uh, we're going to jump right in now into uh, our, our message today, and I invite you to take your Bibles with me and turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. And we have, uh, we're wrapping up our week of prayer, and I hope that uh, this has been a special prayer effort that you've uh, put into this, this week. I want to thank so many people for uh, all of the extra prayers we had. We did the, uh, the Facebook live prayer every noon. We had somewhere around 15,000 views of those prayer times uh, just this week, so that's pretty great. Now... It's the week of prayer, not that this is the only week we pray. Again, the idea here is that we pray this week and we carry the momentum throughout the year. We want this to be a part of our DNA, to be a praying church. So today what we're going to do is we're going to continue our, our little series here in Matthew and our look at the Lord's Prayer. And we saw last week that, uh, that it's unfortunate that we call it the Lord's Prayer because it is much more of a, of a model prayer that Jesus put out as an example that we can at least follow. We can understand what should prayer look like? What should it sound like? The Lord's Prayer is kind of like the training wheels of, of, uh, of prayer. It's not to be just mimicked. It's not to just be quoted mindlessly, but rather to be a kind of outline or a paradigm that I can sort of think through as I pray. And last week we looked at your kingdom come. And uh, just to remind you, your, your, not mine, your. This is, this is about you, God. Prayer is about, is about God. It begins with God, it's about God, and it's about God's purposes in this world. And that's what kingdom represents. Kingdom, as we've been studying, is the rule and reign of God through Jesus Christ. It is the redemptive reign that God is is uh, exerting now in this world as he takes back what sin and Satan destroyed. And as the, the kingdom of God is proclaimed, it advances in the hearts of men and women who will pledge allegiance to Jesus and bow their knee and surrender uh, and salvation to Jesus Christ. And now he is king, enthroned in my heart, and my purpose in my life is to live under his rule and under his reign in a way that he would have me to live. Your kingdom come. And that word come is a, is a word of, of finality. It's an invitation for God's purposes to be, to be done in my life. It's a missions prayer. When I pray your kingdom come, I'm praying for every pastor and missionary and every uh, Sunday school teacher and every Christian worker and indeed every Christian, every church in all the world. We're praying, Lord, we want your kingdom to, to come. We want it to come in that sort of ultimate future sense, but we want it to come in, in, the, in the present and in the now. We want the flourishing and the blessing and the freedom and the redemption that Jesus brings to come in reality now and for that to be lived out today in my life. I want to live under the, <clears throat> the reign of Jesus. I want to do what I can to advance the kingdom of God. As one, as one commentator said, if we pray that way, we have to live that way. And the incredible hypocrisy of praying your kingdom come, your will be done in the morning and then living that day for your kingdom and your will. It is the opposite of that. And the prayer helps to align my thoughts for the day where they need to be and to live under the rule and reign of Jesus. Amen to that. So today we are going to uh, look at the very next phrase, your kingdom come, your will 
be done. But I do want to pray or to read. I want to read now this section again uh, from Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse seven. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Today, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And like last week, my outline, kind of simple, kind of simple. Point number one, your will. Point number two, be done. Point number three, on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not lacking creativity, I'm just saying this is the simple way to approach it. And I think it helps implant what Jesus intended from each of these words in our hearts. So let's get into this now, your will be done. What does your will mean? Well, and you might say, well, this is an easy one, we'll be skipping through this. Actually, this is probably the most challenging aspect of this little phrase is your will. Because it it presents a question that many of us ask regarding prayer and, and that is, if God's will is going to be done anyway, why pray about it? Like, if he's going to do what he's going to do, why do I go to him and say anything, suggest anything to the contrary? What's the point of prayer if God's just going to do his thing? Why would Jesus say, your will be done? And you hear people that, that uh, as they think about the, the will of God, they oftentimes will say things like this. They'll say, uh, Uh, We're seeking God's will in this matter. Or they'll pray a prayer about God's will in the matter. Or we wonder, what's God's will for my life? Many times young people will, will, especially as they're sort of charting the course of their life, think, what does God want in my life? What is God's will for my life? And so this is why it's, it's really important that we understand that when the Bible talks about God's will, it talks about it in two different ways. And if you take the one way that he talks about it and apply it to the second or the second to the first, you're going to be completely confused as you read through the Bible and and all these things about God's will and purpose in the world and in our life. So here are the two ways the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about God's will in terms of his decreed will, okay, his decreed will. The other way is the revealed will of God. Okay, the revealed will of God. So we got the decreed will of God and the revealed will of God. I want to start with the decreed will of God. What is this? God's decreed will is God's predetermined will, which he alone as the sovereign God knows. It is the will of God as he purposed in eternity past. It includes all of the big things, all of the little things, all of the galaxies, all of the molecules, all of the uh, whales and all of the tadpoles of this entire universe. Every detail, every event, all of it has been determined by God, purposed by God. This includes all of human history and all of redemptive history. This includes the fall of Satan and the fall of Adam. It includes 
all the things that we read about in redemptive history in the Bible relative to uh, Abraham and covenants with, with uh, Abraham and with the Israelites and the Exodus and uh, the, the great kings, David and Solomon, etc., and all of the story of God's outworking of redemption through Israel and ultimately through the son of Jesse, Jesus, who came and was incarnate, uh, came into this world. God purposed that Jesus would do that, and he purposed all of the events that surround Jesus' life and ministry, especially the cross and his resurrection as he redeems a fallen mankind from their sin. But God purposed the church, and he purposed the Bible, and he purposed the Holy Spirit coming, and he purposed all the things that are yet to come. In terms of all of this, none of it is a surprise. God is not strategizing in heaven. He has already decided and determined what is going to happen. That's why you can read prophecy in the Old Testament and not think God's guessing. That's why you can read Revelation and say, this is the way this thing's going to end up. God's not just sort of hoping he has decided, he has determined, it is the will of God. Some verses along this line, and there are so many. Psalm 135, verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth. Here's Daniel 4, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand and say to him, what have you done? Here probably is, in my mind, the one that I go to the most when I think about this doctrine. Ephesians 1.11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God's will will be done. And there is nothing that Satan or evil men can do to thwart the plan of God. He has established it, he has determined it, he is working it out according to his power. And when we talk about this, does it create certain theological and philosophical tensions for us regarding sort of a sense of freedom that we feel for choices that we make in this world? Yes, it does. And there are things that we can't explain about the outworkings of God and how he made us as moral and spiritual beings with a certain measure of autonomy. We can't explain all of that. But what we can say with confidence is that there is nothing that happens in this world away from or apart from the will of God. It is all being worked out according to his purpose and according to his plan. And that will is eternal. It is grounded in the unchanging character of God. And this should be a great comfort to us. Think of it, friends. God's will will be done. And even the archangel of heaven who determined to thwart the plan of God could not in his thwarting thwart. <laughs> even Satan's activities fulfill the plan of God. As Luther said, uh, the devil is God's devil. Everything that the devil does is fulfilling the purpose of God. Think of how frustrated Satan must be, Right? He even kills the Son of God thinking this is my greatest moment only to fulfill the plan of God to glorify the Son. Not to kill him, but to glorify the Son and to save mankind. 
All of these things God is working out in the mystery of his will. Like, like Joseph said to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. He takes and works all these things in a way that is according to his plan. And God will fulfill his plan. The Bible says in the words of Jesus that even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is nothing in this world, no president, no king, no senator, no, uh, no politician, no assassin, no army, no general, Nobody in this world, no bully in the recess, none of them can undo the perfect plan of God. He is out working out according to the counsel of his own infinite wisdom, everything perfectly in conformity with the purpose of his will. And this provides us a comfort, particularly when it, we think that maybe evil is winning. Last week we had our prayer time. We invited people to come down and to pray. I was down front all three services. And I can tell you, I was astounded at the things that people were whispering in my ear that they are dealing with. To think about and to know that that's true every single week in the room. It's true right now. There are burdens here. We're not talking about, you know, my, my, my grass isn't growing like I think it should. We're talking about severe family trials, cancers, and terrible things that are going on in people's lives. They came down, whispered in our ear, asked us to pray for them. It was such a precious time. When you are in the midst of a trial like that where it feels like evil men or evil or, or, or death is advancing and winning, where do we go for comfort? We don't go to a thought that maybe God isn't in control and things, this has somehow surprised him. We go back to the fact that this world is God's world and the devil is God's devil and cancer is God's cancer and that God is working all of these things out in a way that we can't understand but are according to his good purpose. This is what's behind one of the most precious verses in the whole Bible. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How can I know that? How can I know that somehow this is going to work together for good in a way that I can't see right now? Because I know behind it, there is a good God who is doing all of this. For those who are called according to his purpose. All right, now, so when it comes to prayer, here's the thing. God's decreed will, only God knows it. Only God knows it. We can't say in our prayer, God, will you reveal to me your decreed will? He'll say, no. No, only I know that. I mean, even Trinitarily, to think Trinitarian, remember, Jesus said, only the Father knows when these things will be fulfilled. Somehow, even in the fatherhood of God, that is how sort of there's certain aspects that in Jesus' humanity did not exercise that sort of full understanding in certain regards. There's mystery to this, but only God knows the decreed will of God. You can spend all your days praying, God, show me your decreed will, and you're not going to know what it is. So when Jesus says, pray, your will be done, he is not talking about this aspect of the will of God. What he is talking about is the revealed will of God. The revealed will of God. And to ask the simple question, how has God revealed his will? And the answer is right here. The Bible 
Or to say it this way, his word is his will. Can you say that with me? His word is his will. This is the revealed will of God for us. And you can cry out to God, go out in the desert and you know, not eat for whatever days and all of this and say, God, would you please tell me what you want me to do? And the whole time God's in heaven, I've told you what I want you to do. I wrote it down so that you can't miss it or forget it. And you see now why it was so important in God's plan that he write his will in words and sentences and paragraphs and to inscripturate his will for us. So that down through the centuries now, all of these years, whenever we have wondered, God, what do you want me to do? All we have to do is to open the Bible and to read what his will is for us. And he has written his will down. Many of them are propositional, okay? Like the Ten Commandments would be an example of propositional will of God. God, should I, should I murder my neighbor? I'm struggling with whether I should do that or not. Give me direction, O oh God. May your will be done. And God's in heaven going, I wrote down, thou shalt not murder, so that you don't have to wonder if that's my will. It's never your, his will. And so many other examples like that where it's just like, this is the will of God. And yet people, you know, sometimes come in for counsel and like, oh, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord in this matter. I'm like, no, you're not. That's an easy one. Like, this is a no-brainer. That is not God's will. Because he has said right here, thou shalt not or thou shalt. That's God's will. Many of the things that God has, has given us regarding his will are not propositional. They're more preceptive. Okay, precept. Principles. Like, for example, you go to Proverbs and you read through Proverbs and how the simple may become wise. And we have all of these sort of practical things for life and living, things that help us understand. If I'm going to look at my life biblically and sort of understand the way that I should treat my neighbor and the way that I should work and the way that I should play, I'm going to look at my life through the grid of Scripture. Why? Because this is God's will. And when I am seeing my, my life and I look in the mirror and I see myself through the Bible, I am... I am it's a fulfillment of your will be done. I am understanding what God wants me to do. It's the Bible. And God's decreed will is always accomplished in history. God's revealed will in a fallen world is rarely accomplished. Rarely accomplished. Every day, billions of sinners hundreds of billions of times fail to fulfill God's revealed will. We fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of the will of God. God's purpose for humanity in, in our hearts, in our motives, in our attitudes, in our words, and in our actions, all of these are, we are failing to fulfill the will of God. We fall short of it. Last week, I, we had, last Saturday, we had this gloriously warm February day. I, have, I don't think I have ever played golf in February. I really don't, at least not up here. And so we had that last Saturday. It was like 65 degrees and sunny and beautiful. And so a guy in the church and I, we went out uh, golfing. And I, we both were like, hey, we, I, we could care less what we shoot today. We are playing in February. Now, I beat him. I just note that. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we're on one green, okay? We're on one green and we're, we're putting. 
there's a tea box right near that green, and there's a foursome on that on the tea box. And we hear whoosh, blankety blankety blank. Next guy gets up. Whoosh, blankety 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 blank. If you've played golf, you know that golfers, when they hit a good shot, tend to take the credit for it. When they hit a bad shot, they blame God for it, okay? And that was on very visible display. And I said, I said to the guy I was playing with, I said, broken world, <laughs> broken world. And that is repeated over and over and over again. God's revealed will for for us, defied, rebelled against, hated. Fallen human nature. God wants us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How often is that fulfilled in the broken world we live in? Not very often. We're to love our neighbor as ourself. How often is that broken? as we are rude to one another and as we mistreat one another, as we are violent or slanderous. So many things we could go on with in that regard. But I don't have to tell you all these things because you live in this world too, don't you? And we see this all around us. God's will not being done. And yet God's will is what? Glorious. God's will is beautiful. Romans 12, 2 says, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing, the will of God. And so when I pray and I, I go to the Lord and I say, your will be done, it is that will that I am talking about. I am praying and asking that God, as you have communicated your desires for humanity, for me personally, I am asking that your will is the one that is accomplished today. That gloriously beautiful, wonderful will. Be done, point number two now, be done. Notice that it is not your will be inspirational to me. It is not your will be helpful to me. It is not your will be convenient to me. It is your will be done. There is a decisiveness to that. There's a, a heart finality to that. When I say in my life, I'm not just sort of wanting to incline myself to the will of God. I want that will done. This is what I want more than anything is the will of God accomplished in my life. And so you hear in those words, this is a prayer of submission. This is a prayer where I am I am submitting my life and my day. Notice, be done, future tense. I am saying, essentially, if I pray in the morning, I'm saying, God, today, I want you to know that as I pray right now, my desire is for the things that you want in this world and in my life to be the things that are done in my life. I want your will, I want what you want more than I want what I want. There's a good summary for the entire sermon. I want what you want more than I want what I want. Now, we don't wake up thinking that. We wake up, naturally, we get out of bed, that first yawn, that first thought is not, God, I want what you want today. We are right away thinking, 
where's the bathroom? Or where's breakfast? I've got needs that I need to have met. I'm thinking so easily about myself. Your will be done is a glad surrender to God. I want what you want to be done in my family. I want what you want to be done in my life. I want what you want to be done in my community. I want what you want to be done in my vocation, in my career, and in my day. I want what you want more than I want what I want. It is a submission to the will of God. It is a surrender of my personal will to the will of God. And the reason that we need this, friends, is that our personal wills are affected by our sin nature. Remember in Romans 7, Paul says, When I go to do good, their evil is right beside me. The good that I would, I do not. The evil which I would not, that I do. O wretched man that I am. And that's true, that's the Apostle Paul, okay? So how much more the rest of us dealing with the reality that tainting even our most noble desires is always self and pride, always working its effect inside of us. And so we need to be reminded of God's will more than our own, more than our feelings, more than our inclinations. You know, one of the quirky things in our society right now, it seems to me, I've just observationally as I get older, is how, how, uh, how easily some of these little uh, verbal pauses and little ver- things work their way into the vernacular, okay? So, so, you know, I won't give you any examples other than the one I want to mention to you. Because right now, the big one right now, and I, I, I have my theory as to who got this going, but if you listen now, you'll hear people all the time, they begin sentence with, I feel. I feel, I feel like the sun's going to be up in the morning. I feel this. I feel that. Feelings. And I think the reason that we like to say that is who can argue with our feelings, right? And I can say, I feel this. Then you don't have to feel like I'm being domineering to you or exerting myself over you. But what is true about all of our feelings and all of our thoughts and all of our personal desires? All of them tainted by sin all of them so easily subtly selfish and on judgment day we're going to find out how completely irrelevant our feelings are okay it doesn't matter what i think it doesn't matter what i feel it doesn't matter what my will is as a sinner what ultimately matters is what god thinks what ultimately matters is what god wills what ultimately matters is what god feels if you want to say it that way That's the big thing, and the prayer gets at that. It's my kingdom, I mean, no, it's your kingdom. Did you catch that? I said it wrong. It is your kingdom come. It is your will, church, be done on earth as it is in heaven. And a Christian is somebody who has seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus. I've had that moment of transformation where I have bowed the knee to Jesus, and I have acknowledged I'm a sinner. Like there is no good thing that dwells within me and I see Jesus on the cross and I believe that he died for me and the Bible says that at that moment I become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm a new person, I'm a new man. I've got this other law in me, Romans 7, that's at work and 
Now I am in a place where I can truly, as a subject of the King Jesus, I can pray now sincerely from my heart, God, help me today to have your priorities and your agenda at the top of my priority list. I want today what you want more than what I as a sinner want. And so your will be done. It's the heart of the Christian who wants more than anything for Jesus to be exalted. More than anything for what God wants to bring into my life to be the thing. Think of Job. When all those terrible things happen in his life, what is his response? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't pray the Lord's Prayer that morning, but it was somewhere in his heart because that's the response that we have when we understand as we live our day that I am living my day under the rule and the reign of God. I am living today under God's purpose and plan for me. And I can trust in his loving and good hand that he is working in my life. And today, God, I'm striving to please you. I want to please you today, God. And how do we please the Lord? Obedience. Obedience is how we please the Lord. We obey the will of God. As Hendrickson notes it, that this, this obedience will be done completely, heartily, and immediately. Or in the DeWitt house, this is how we say it to our, to our daughters as we try to teach them how to obey. We say, sweetheart, you have to do it all the way, right away, with the right attitude. All the way, right away, with the right attitude. And when I see my daughter respond to a direction that I give to her immediately and full-heartedly, what can I know about her heart in that moment? That what daddy wants is more important than what she wants. Now sometimes it's the other way, because we birthed sinners. Did you parents birth sinners? <laughs> Have you had reminders of that already yet this morning, probably, that you gave birth to sinners who are all the time wanting their will more than your will? Well, spiritually speaking, this is what's going on for each of us. Whose will am I going to live for today? Whose will is the one that really matters to me? Whose will is going to be the priority? Your will be done. Third point is the extent that we pray. Notice he says, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Now that little phrase in context, it could apply to hallowed be your name. It could apply to your kingdom come, but it most immediately applies to this third one we're looking at today, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus here, he provides a measurement for the extent to which we should seek to fulfill the will of God, and he provides the measurement, here it is, it's heaven. Heaven. Now, why is that a pretty good measure? Because in heaven, there is nothing but desire to fulfill the will of God. In heaven, everything that God desires is fulfilled immediately and perfectly. In heaven, his will is what everybody wants more than anything else. Now you say, well, fulfilled by who? Well, how about the angels? Let's start with them. In heaven right now, the cherubim, the seraphim, Gabriel, Michael, there they are, 
And God's every desire, every, however he communicates it, we'll say speaks it, right away the angel's like, I got it. I'll go do that right now. Me, 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 me. I want to go do that right now. Let me do it. Me, 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 me. Off they go to do the will of God, and they love it. They love it. I got thinking about Chick-fil-A, strangely, as I was preparing this sermon, where if you've been to Chick-fil-A, maybe you view it as a little piece of heaven on earth, and possibly it's because they've trained their employees. Every time you ask them for anything, they always say, my pleasure, my pleasure. Now, do they do it sincerely? No, they employ sinners at Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> but it at least sounds good, doesn't it? That it's my desire, it's my pleasure. I'm not just here. Remember Ed DeBevick's? It closed up in Chicago. Remember Ed DeBevick's? Whatever it's called. Where their whole point was to be as rude as possible to you, if you remember that. And they trained their staff to just look to be snarky and, and demeaning, and so, you know, hey, can I get a refill on my, on my drink, you know, and they're like, you know, they're saying some kind of a snarky comment about, you know, you and your shape or whatever, and, uh, and people, like, went there just to be insulted. <laughs> this is not really my notes here, but I'm developing the thought as I think about Chick-fil-A is a picture of heaven, and Ed DeBevix is a picture of, of earth and hell, okay? Why do I say that? Because where God rules and reign, reigns, his subjects and his people delight to do the will of God. It is their pleasure to do the will of God. And the angels are doing that right now in a flurry of activity. Who else is perfectly fulfilling the will of God right now? Well, we have all the saints that have gone before us. Think of that. All of them sinners. All of them with their own challenges, just like you and I have. But not anymore. So that gossipy Mrs. A in heaven speaks kindly. Angry Mr. B in heaven now is loving. Miss C, who used to struggle with this addiction, is free to love God more than anything else. Mr. D, who had a little bit of a potty mouth, now hollows God's name. In heaven, think of this, nobody prays your will be done. They don't have to. It's done immediately, instinctively, perfectly, all the time. It is only on earth where God's will is defied. It is only on earth where God's will is denied. And that's where we live. And that's what's in our own hearts. And so you see the brilliance of Jesus saying, when you pray, one of the things that you have to pray to remind yourself who really is the sovereign God and King is to pray your will be more important today than mine. Your word be more important today than mine. And there is only one person who has ever brought heaven's commitment to God's will to earth and shown us what it looks like to live perfectly for the will of God, even when it hurts. 
And his name, of course, is Jesus. And I want to read for you a passage. It's, it's, if you want to call the Lord's Prayer, maybe you should call this the Lord's Prayer. It is the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where we see in the words of Jesus the tension that he is feeling, not between his, his sin nature like we have, but the challenge between his purposing, his commitment to the will of God, and the natural human desire to live. Listen to what happens here. Matthew 26, verse 38. And he said to them, this is now Jesus to his disciples, Peter, James, and John in the garden. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Did you hear that? Not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, listen, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Well, that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? That phrase, where have I heard that phrase before? It's this very same phrase that he taught us to pray every day. Your will be done. Jesus' bottom line, even Jesus' bottom line, was not his own personal safety and his own natural human desire. I mean, how, how many of us, if I said, hey, right now, you're, you're going to die on the way home today, how many of us would say, awesome? How many of us would want to be crucified? For Jesus to feel that tension doesn't mean that he wasn't human, it means that he was human. Because all of us can relate to that. We don't naturally want to suffer. None of us want to get heart disease, and none of us want cancer, and none of us want uh, a myriad of things that can bring, come into our life that bring pain to us. We don't naturally want that. And Jesus, in his humanity, just like us, he didn't covet dying on a cross. And we see the tension here as he wrestles with that. But he finally gets to the bottom line and gives us an example of what he talked about in the Lord's Prayer. When even death on a cross and even bearing the guilt of the sins of the world and all that was about to transpire uh, on Golgotha and in the heavens, he submitted his will to the Father's. Not my will, but your will be done. And gives us the ultimate example of what he's calling each of us to today and this week. What do I need to be reminded of? I need to be reminded of that it is his will that is good, pleasing, and perfect, not mine. And that it is his will as expressed in his word that today I am called by God, purposed by God, to the extent that I can to fulfill that purpose in this world Christian, I wonder if you can honestly say that your will be done. Maybe this means for you looking at a painful thing in your past that's got you stuck. And you just can't get over it. Can you pray over that in your present feelings? God, your will be done over that.
Your will be done today, God, more than anything. Maybe somebody has hurt you, failed you. Maybe you're presently in a terrible season. Like Jesus, you're kind of in, the, you're in your own Gethsemane right now. And you're wrestling with what you want versus what it seems like God wants. Can you say, your will be done? Your will be done. God, this cancer that I'm facing, God, this divorce that I am facing and don't want, God, this season of suffering that I wish wasn't coming, God, this struggle, this constant struggle I can't get past, God, over all of that, I pray your will be done. And remember, friends, this is a prayer. And God delights to answer the prayers of his people. And so when we ask, essentially we're asking for God's help in aligning our will to his. And don't you think that God would delight to answer that prayer in our hearts? Of all the things that, you know, if, if my daughter comes to me and she says, Daddy, I want this, but I know you want that, and I'm struggling with wanting what you want, but will you help me? What does my heart do? Puddle, right? Oh, sweetheart, I want to help you. I love you. And when we pray to God that way, and we ask, God, help me today in the struggles of this day to align my heart with what you want in my life, God delights to help us. Inwardly, sometimes it's circumstantially. God can change circumstances. But most often, he changes our perspective. Changes our perspective. Gives us courage. Gives us strength. Gives us hope. Gives us the thought, it's not always going to be like this. And reminds us that there is a place and a coming day when his will will be done perfectly. And so I would encourage us to pray this in the morning over our days. Pray it over your difficulty. Pray it over your trial. Pray it over that problem person in your life. Pray it over whatever hurt that maybe you are still dealing with. And anticipate a day when God will joyfully answer that prayer. And that we'll never have to pray it again. In heaven and on the new earth where his will is always done. May your will be done. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that prayer right now. We ask God that you would help us to submit our hearts to you. Help us to align our desires with your desires. Our sins so easily, and the nature towards sin so easily makes us ignorant of failings and selfishness and pride. God, help us to understand what you want and to appropriate it in our life. Father, we pray over our church. We pray that at Bethel Church that your will would be done. We pray that over our small groups. We pray that over the ministries of our church. We pray that over uh, the, the, the community impact ministries. God, we pray that you would help us to be a church where we are a vehicle of your will and purpose being done in this world. To you be the glory. Amen.